This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour three sports that today live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation malls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. I don't think it's basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com on your radio site, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Washington Nationals. Another 507 first pitch with Jose Barrios on the mound. You can also watch this one on the Sportsnet television network. Jays look to pick up their second win in as many tries against the Washington Nationals and hopefully knock down uh, a bit of that two-and-a-half game uh, cushion that the Rangers and Astros currently have on the Toronto Blue Jays. But we're kicking off this hour, uh, PK, with some hockey talk here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to another uh, NHL season beginning, and uh, already in the city of Calgary, we know a number of Flames players are are back and getting ready for the upcoming NHL season. Soon, more will uh, will become part of the the core here, and uh, we'll get to Penticton for rookie camps and and tournaments and training camp uh, number one under Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy will begin. But there's still a lot of unanswered questions about this team. And we've heard from over the last couple of days and, and weeks at, at different events, whether it was Mackenzie Weger talking uh, to Pat Steinberg on Flamestock ahead of the Shaw Charity Classic, um, Andrew Mangiapane on Monday at the Calgary Italian Open, or Rasmus Anderson, who was part of the NHL um, media tour in Europe that uh, in Stockholm, which was with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. There's a renewed optimism, it seems like, for this group uh, that things are going to turn around and it's going to be different than last year. First of all, do you believe that before we, we've even entered into everyone in the same building at the same time, that that kind of positivity can be real for this team? And, and I guess as a, an aside to that, I don't want to say talent aside because that's not that, that always matters, but <laughs> how much of a boost can that really give this team? Like, can simply a culture change, if that's what you want to call it, can that be a major deciding factor for this Calgary Flames team, or does it still is it still require something else in your mind? I like a, a culture change can only take you so far, like. You still have to have all of the talent together um, and then have the, the right culture. A lot goes into building a, a championship program. That's why it's so hard, and that's why they like carve your name into a trophy after you win it, because it's a, a pretty freaking hard thing to do. From a, a Flames perspective, I I am buying it. I, I think sometimes some of the, the preseason chatter can get a bit much like... Manchapani wasn't going to be at a golf tournament yesterday going like, boy, we are screwed. Have you, have you seen us? 
Did you see? We are so screwed. Um, but good point. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I do think it's legitimate, and part of it is kind of confirmation bias because it seemed like, from all accounts, last year was miserable, right? And you could see it on the ice that the team quit. Now. I have said before, because we've gone through this before, where, oh, the team quit on the coach. This year, it's going to be different. At some point, you wonder why that this locker room was so losable. But it is, by and large, a, a different group around there. I do believe that there is still better things that can come from this team. Like, aside from Tyler DeFoley, who is no longer there, basically everyone had a down year last season, right? Like, that there were very few players to be like, oh, yeah, that guy thrived last season with the, the Flames. I think that because of how negative things got, and we've all been in negative working environments, and I saw the person who texted yesterday, these guys are professionals getting paid, blah, 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 blah. Go out and, and do your job. Look, I, I've been in a, a, a couple of work environments where, yeah, I didn't really like what was going on. It's tough to really get going, you know? You, you, you go out, you be as professional as you can, but there are times where if it sucks, it sucks, man. And that doesn't, it doesn't change if you're making $20 an hour or if you're making $10 million a year. Maybe it should, but at some point you still have to be able to kind of enjoy going to work because just being a professional can only get you so far. So I do think that the vibes being better around this team are going to, to help them. To what extent? I don't know. I don't think that this is a, a team right now, when you look at it on paper, Vibes or not, they're not better than Vegas. They're not better than Edmonton. I think they could hang around with the LA Kings, you know? And, like, Arizona has taken a step. And I, I've said before that, big picture, maybe I'd rather be the Arizona Coyotes than the, the Calgary Flames. But for 2023-2024, if Huberto can get back to that level, and if Kadri can get back to that level, and if Manjapani can get to where we talked about yesterday, and if Backlund is still awesome, and if Lindholm still wants to be here, then yeah, th this is a, a team that should be vying for a playoff spot. That is a whole lot of ifs, but last year, everything went wrong. Y you could, if you squint and see everything going just the way it's supposed to, this should be a team that's hanging around for a playoff spot come February, March, and April. It's weird because I don't... <laughs> Look, they're saying all the right things, and I think that it's important because I think everybody was honest about how last year went from a lot of different perspectives, and you're right, a negative workspace for you, me, anybody you listening at your job, uh, an NHL player, I, I, I do think it's going to affect your your outcomes yeah. and, and your production now your production and, and my production is is different than goals and assists and, <laughs> and anything else like that. But I, I do believe that, and maybe I'm naive for believing this. I I do believe that the right kind of culture and the right kind of environment can lead to improvement from from this team. Because you're right there. There was just too many down years last year to. To feel like it, it was coincidence, yeah. right? It, it was just too much of it, and we heard too much of it from everybody. There really wasn't any detractors that said, yeah, actually, I thought everything went pretty well this year, and I wouldn't change anything. It was pretty all-around encompassing that something was wrong and needed to be changed. Now, I'm with you. I don't know how to quantify that. I yeah. can't tell you that a positive work environment compared to what it was last year is equal to 10 points in the standings or zero points in the standings. I don't know that it's 
40 points more for Jonathan Huberto or 20 points more, or, what, or maybe it's no more, no points more than it was last year. I can't, I, I can't put that on there, but I, I look at it this way and I look at it and I say, it can't be worse than it was last year. Yeah. It can't hurt this team and this organization to have the right kind of work environment. Because I, I do think it was it was toxic in a lot of ways last year. I think anytime I like I think the whole conversation about Calgary being a, a place to play, which isn't what this is about, but I think it got exacerbated by well, no one wants to play. I I I don't I think that, that got worse because of how everyone looked at what was happening. Yeah. Right? Even more so than the regular conversation of where they sit in terms of destinations in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, do I do I think it can be positive? Sure. And do I think that some of those guys that we talked about specifically that, that had bad years, Jonathan Huberto and maybe Jacob Markstrom, for another example, can can benefit from it? Sure. But I'm, I'm not willing to put... I'm not willing to put a certain amount of points to that to that guess either. I, I think it'll help. Yeah. I think it'll lead to more entertaining hockey. I think it'll lead to better day-to-day environments for this group. But at the end of the day, this team just needs to perform remarkably better than they did last year. They need to find a bit of a clutch gene. They need to find a bit of a, a shutdown gene again. And guys need to do need to perform. Not not to the extent of that texture you mentioned this. Regardless, you get paid millions. You need to perform. Yeah, uh, that's that's just part of the job. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, good news for the team that everyone's talking about this. Sure, but yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as simple as okay, we fixed the culture, we're good for the year. Yeah, I, I thought it was so telling last year when uh, a colleague of mine in another place that I work at, Alan Walsh, uh, tweeted out the, about how bad it was in Calgary, and everyone around Calgary was like, "Oh, he shouldn't have said that." No one was saying, no, it's great here. Everything's fine. It was, oh, he shouldn't have said that. It's true, but he shouldn't have said that. Um, and you look at Huberto. He had 55 points last year. Like now we're, we're a few months removed from it. You, you take a step back, you exhale, and you look at it. He had 55 points in 79 games. In 21 or in 2021, when everything was shortened and he had 55 games, he had 61 points. 55 for Jonathan Huberto was a floor I didn't even know existed for him. Like, that was beyond what I thought worst-case scenario could be for him. I I thought if he comes in here, even if it's not 115 points, it's 65, 70, 75 points, somewhere in that range. 55 from a dude who was playing top-line minutes basically the whole season. There is no way it's that bad again. Like, I just, I can't possibly wrap my head around it being that bad for, for him again. So... I, I certainly go into this season with a little bit more optimism that it could be better. That gets into a bigger picture, uh, bigger picture question about how better, and then also, is it enough to justify continuing forward and giving big contracts to guys like Lindholm and Hannafin, who I'm surprised that one hasn't moved uh, a whole lot either, but that's neither here nor there. It, it does like you do still have to look at the bigger picture. Like where where is this thing going? Because it does still feel like best. It's kind of like the conversation we have with the Blue Jays. It's like, hey, best case scenario for this team is a like third place in the division or a wild card spot. That's still not necessarily where you want to be, and not necessarily where long term. It's like, yeah, 
boy, I can't wait till we finish third. But, like you, you want to be building to something better. I do think there are upper bound limits to this team, which gets into a bigger roster construction picture. But for the 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 year of our hockey gods, 2023-2024, this Flames team should be competitive for a playoff spot. Well, and that's the thing too is. <laughs> I say all this and I say, look, it, it, I feel like a positive result is going to to mean good things for the Calgary Flames. If Noah Hannafin gets traded, if Elias Lindholm says he's not coming back, and this team is at a position where they have to trade Michael Backlund at the trade deadline, it's probably not going to amount to a playoff year for this no. team. And all of the good vibes that we talked about uh, will probably be... Um, forgotten very quickly because yeah. the season hasn't gone the way we expected it and there's been another exodus of players. So Yeah, at but, that point, sorry to cut you off, no, no. At, at that point, you're hoping the good vibes lead to a boost in trade value for Jonathan Huberto and you can get something for him. Yeah, I mean, or even the, the next guys that come in are, are, are part of it. Because look, last year was a step back for this team in terms of it's just what a workplace should be. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I, I do think that it's important to maintain that... I was going to say fun, but fun's not the right word. I, I think it has to be an enjoyable place to come, period, regardless of what the result is on the ice. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think you still have to maintain that, hey, look, we, we want you to be excited to come here. We want you to be excited to put in the work here. Yes, it, it does it necessarily mean that we're turning to a 60-win team? No, of course not. But I, I, I think that there's a chance that, that that has to be maintained because you can't go back to where it was. No. Because that was driving people away Yeah, from, from the, the city, from the team, from the organization, and, and that's not good. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to... I don't want to say that you only get to be positive when you win because that's not fair to the to the conversation, because I think that yeah. that... that not fair to losers. They can be happy, too. They can be, right? <laughs> Look at us. We're happy sometimes. Um, <laughs> I don't need to bring you down with me. Um, but but what I'm trying to say is, is I hope that regardless of what this is this year, because I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. I, th- I still think so much hinges on what number 28 does and, and what decision that winds up being for this team. Yeah. That... I still hope that the Craig Connor, and I'm sure he will because he's he's the eternal optimist that, that I value so much in the guy. But I, I think Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy being able to maintain that and still make this a place that people want to come, even if this season isn't the bounce back that we hope it is, I still think that's something that you need to maintain yeah. in the coming years because I think it's important to you know, for those conversations at, at all star games or between guys and say, Yeah. You know, yeah, it wasn't our best year. We're going to try to come back at it, but yeah, it was great playing yeah. under Ryan. It was still fun to come to work and, yeah. and and be a guy on a Craig Conroy managed team because there was none of that last year. No, and it did way more damage than I think people realize. Yeah, there was none of that. Like the the bio steel camps that are going on right now. You you want your guys if they're at these things to to be able to to speak up or at the the media event that Rasmus Anderson was at. You need him to to be able to speak and be like, yeah, it's actually. Pretty cool what's happening here right now. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like you said, it doesn't. No one. There doesn't have to be a stand-up comedian in the room every day. Um, it's not a, a Disney movie where you wake up singing and you come to the rink and cartoon birds are tying your skates for you. But you still have to be 
in there wanting to compete for the other guys in the room because everyone in the NHL is talented. You know, the the least talented hockey player in the NHL is 10 times more talented than anyone else you've ever seen play hockey in your life at any other level that isn't the National Hockey League. Like, that's... Talent is not an issue in this league. It is those other things. It, it is the, the winning cultures that are built. It is just guys wanting to go out and win and play for each other. It is those sorts of things that can be the difference between whatever the hell that was last year and a successful hockey franchise. So yes, the, the Flames have a long way to go in building that. And the decisions of Lindholm, you are 100% right. That's why I'm not as panicked about it because I, I think you tried to sell to these guys through the first part of the season. Look, it's different here, okay? So th this is a place you do want to be long-term. And if they still say, say no, you trade them out and you, you hope for the best with, with some other things. I still think long-term, this team would definitely benefit from some form of a rebuild. I do think the upper bound limits on this roster do not necessarily lead to all the glory that fans would like from a team. But at the same time, I don't think that's a direction that this organization is prepared to be going in. So I, I do view this as a team that can be competitive, but they, they need to show in the first few months that this is actually a place that players are going to want to play, whether it's Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin, or players XYZ that you get in return. Uh, who benefits the most? From that culture change in your mind, if you had to pick one Ooh. person that Ben, we've talked about a couple here, yeah. And look, I, I think there's an easy answer to it, and I think there are other ones that I think you could pull from as well. Can I lump in just everyone under the age of 26? You could, <laughs> because that for sure, like the fans, right? Yes, yeah. Hockey in general as a sport is better now. Um, I, I think like the obvious answer is Huberto, but we have focused on him. Um, I think probably enough for, for this particular segment. So I'm just going to go down one notch on on cap friendly, and I'm going to, to go to Nazem Kadri. And as much as people were saying Kadri is the, the, the perfect type of guy to play in a, a Daryl Sutter type of a, a role, he was one of the ones that by the end of the season, he looked miserable. Sure. And that is a dude who will run through walls for you. When he is motivated, he can be an, an emotional leader for your team. He ends the season um, I, plus minus isn't the best stat, but minus 19 ain't great. Um, 56 points, which is for a season where he played 82 games, not ideal for, for where you would want him to be. Um, so I, I think he could definitely benefit from that, but I, I think one of the obvious ones as well, and I, I know I'm taking a couple now, but Boy, it sure feels like it'd be a whole lot better to be Jacob Pelche in this organization um, in 2023-24 compared to 22-23. I, I don't. Coach yeah. is probably going to know what number he is. <laughs> I've, yeah, I would. I think that's safe to assume <laughs> uh, for a number of different reasons. But yeah, I think it's probably that's probably a safe one. Um, man, I think there's so many. The obvious answer is everyone. Like, quite frankly, like, I, I understand Daryl is a, a Hall of Fame caliber coach and one of the, the best coaches of his generation and uh, worthy of a statue built in his honor somewhere. But he was dreadful last season. Um, and I, I, I disagreed with almost every decision he made. Not that I am the be all end all or anything like you that. Are He's, to me. He, he, well, thank you. Uh, but he, he has forgotten more about hockey while we've had this conversation than I'll ever know. But last year, he was off, and I don't know if he was frustrated, if there was something off with him and Brad, um, but he seemed like he made life absolutely miserable here, 
And so I, I do genuinely believe there is addition by subtraction with this group. And I, I think everyone gets a, a bit of a video game rating bump up because of uh, who isn't around anymore. Yeah, it's interesting because like, uh, I would be lying if I if I went to you and I said, oh, like Blake Coleman's going to get a, a, a massive bump from this because I already think he's. You know, I, I don't think he he was that far off of, of what he usually is. I, I guess I would probably say, yes, Huberto's at the top of the list. I, I generally wonder if it was more opportunity how Rasmus Anderson can take over in, in one of those leadership roles that we've talked about too, now that I think that importance is going to be shifted back from the coach to the players in the locker room. If he's not a guy that can really take that and run with it, especially given... Look, look, if, if Hannafin, Backlund, and and excuse me, Lindholm are all gone, I mean, there's a, a major. I mean, Backlund was in the captain's conversation. I, I think it, at one point people would have put Lindholm in that conversation as well. Going back to last season, if both of those guys are gone, that's a big leadership void. Obviously, you're going to have to step up defensively if a guy like Noah Hannafin is isn't here either. Uh, so I, I look at a guy like Rasmus Anderson and say, look, here's an opportunity for you to take that next step yeah, and really make this your team, even if it's not a captain's role and it doesn't have to be that. I, I just think taking this from a general, how, how can things improve uh, from what it was last season into this? I feel like there's, and you're right. In reality, could we just go down the list and give you pretty much everybody? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't think Blake Coleman's going to come out and score 50 this year because Daryl isn't around. You know, like, Blake Coleman is kind of what Blake Coleman is at this point. But sure. I, I do think, like, overall that there is a, a bit of a boost. I like uh, the, the Rasmus selection. Um, I I wonder, like, I don't think he gets a boost because Daryl's not here. But I think Jacob Markstrom just has to play better next year based off of just anything that we've seen from him before, right? Um, so, like, it, it just... I, I can't think of one guy who I, I am looking at right now and going, yeah, it might might be a bit of a down year for for that fellow based off of how this offseason has gone. It's going to be really interesting to watch. I'm curious to uh, to see how much of that vibe that's been talked about by all these guys the last couple of weeks really shows out once we get into Calgary and get into to training camp practices and um, it becomes more than just words at that point. We're going to expect to... To see it in some way, shape, or form, for sure. Um, I know we're getting into, to, we're in the hockey power hour of this sure. whole thing. <laughs> Baseball news. The LA Angels have placed starter Lucas Giolito, reliever Matt Moore, and Ronaldo Lopez, and outfielders Hunter Renfro and Randall Grichuk on waivers. So, basically, every offseason or uh, deadline acquisition they've made, they've placed on waivers and be like, you know what? Playoff race? Have at it. Wow. <laughs> I have never seen that before. Where a team, just half of their roster, like, it, it happened sometimes in August with waiver trade deadline time, but you wouldn't have that for now. I, I, I don't know how many people care about baseball waivers, but I thought that, like, the Blue Jays p- should pick up, like, three of those dudes for uh, a postseason run. That's interesting. That's uh, something to watch. Jeff Passon of ESPN um, just uh, releasing that news, and yeah. Wouldn't that be something if uh, now it goes reverse order? Yeah. So the worst teams will have the first chance, which at means it, but... the Blue Jays got a better chance than the playoff teams right now, baby. <laughs> Long term planning by Atkins, the man's a genius. 
I got to give it to Peter Klein. The optimism is <laughs> is always there for PK. They're going to pick up $60 million in salary off the waiver just, wire. Just go for it. <laughs> uh, Peter Klein, I'm Logan Gordon. When we come back, Haley Salvian will join the program. We know the initial six cities and how the player selection process will go down for the Professional Women's Hockey League. Uh, what does Haley think of that? How do we see this uh, going forward as the league kicks off in January? That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on, you're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Well, we finally have details, long-awaited details, about the now officially named PWHL, where they'll be playing, and how the player selection process will be handled. The Professional Women's Hockey League will have a 15-round draft starting September 18th with teams in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, Minnesota, and New York. And to help us break down all the news we got today and how to look forward to this uh, upcoming player selection process, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotlines afternoon. Welcome in, friend of the program from The Athletic, you know your lover, it's Haley Salvian joining us this afternoon. Hales, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? We are really good. Uh, Logan and PK with you today. You uh, brought Peter on your show so much during the season. He thought yeah. it was only it was only right to have you back for a show with him this summer. Oh, I mean, I'm glad to hear that Peter's doing the show with you this year. That's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, it's great to have you on as well. Uh, you kind of started getting this news yesterday that we were going to get some details about the new uh, PWHL today, and today we got them. Uh, I guess just go over what kind of big news we did get from the league today and uh, how excited people should be about this going forward. Sure. So it was a lot. And yeah, you're right. Uh, yesterday there was, I guess, a bit. Uh, I don't know how to. I guess they kind of leaked stuff themselves. Um, I felt a little bit bad because it seemed like the Twitter accounts went live. <laughs> uh, and then obviously everybody was like, oh. <laughs> So this is it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about tomorrow again. Yeah. Um, so we got a little sneak peek at the cities yesterday night. And obviously today was the big press release, the big press conference. It was virtual. I mean, there was over 120 people on that call. Um, I was at the Women's World Championships in Denmark uh, a year ago at this point, almost two years ago. And um, it was myself and Donna Spencer. So it was really cool to see that many people on that call and really invested in, in telling this story. It's, you know, sign of things to come here. So some of the news, as you mentioned, the original six markets for this PWHL, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, uh, it'll be Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then the New York City area. Um, the signing period is going to start on Friday. So the player selection is going to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, you kind of think of it, as say the Seattle Kraken expansion, but it's for every single team with all the roster spots essentially. Um, so the the kind of spreadsheets I've been looking at over the last couple of days, looking at the 300 plus player uh, player pool has been uh, I have a headache. But so the selection's kind of going to go this way. Uh, so on Friday, September 1st there's going to be this 10-day exclusive signing window for teams to sign up to three players. That's going to be the window where I think GMs and teams are going to sign the big names. And these are going to be players that are not NCAA graduates as well. So this is going to be your Mary Philippe Poulens, 
your Hillary Knights, Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, Lee Steckline, Megan Keller. Um, you know, think of your your top of the line Olympians and Renee Debiens, starting goalie for Team Canada. Um, so there'll be 18 players, up to 18 players that can sign starting on Friday for a 10-day window. Once that window ends, we're going to move into the entry draft, which is on September 18th in Toronto. And um, any players who want to compete in the season have to declare for the draft by September 3rd. So we're going to have some things moving pretty quickly here. Um, One thing they made very clear today, um, and this cleared up some misinformation that happened in the initial wave of news, was you know, they don't care where you played before. If you played in the Premier Hockey Federation, if you played in the PWHPA, if you played um, overseas in the SDHL, you played in Switzerland, like they don't care. They just want the top 138 to 150 players in the world in this league all under one roof. Um, So once they declare for the draft, there'll be um, kind of an option for players to fill out what's called a compassionate circumstance waiver which is for players who cannot relocate to another market so that's kind of like a very special circumstance so let's say there's a player who just had a baby or their husband or they have a home like there's a reason why they can't leave one of those original six markets they can fill out a waiver and say i have to play here if approved they'll be able to exclusively negotiate a contract with the team uh, in the city that they live in. So that's one of the notes that came from today. Um, you know, and that being said, they still want to kind of keep the integrity of the draft. So they can't just allow everyone who's like, well, I have an apartment I really like <laughs> in Calgary. I have to stay here or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Calgary, that's a bad example. Calgary doesn't have a team right now. Um, the draft is going to go, there's going to be a draft lottery um, at a later date. So the first round is going to be determined by that lottery. And then subsequent rounds are going to follow a snake draft format. What was one thing that was interesting that I clarified? There's going to be no draft pick trades this year. So you're not going to see anybody trying to move up or down saying like, well, I know this player only wants to sign here. So I'm going to like trade down to get something else. That's not going to happen. Um, And that was the big stuff about, um, you know, on the, on the call, we heard a lot about NHL involvement. Um, We heard from Brian Burke. He was hired as the, um, Players Association executive director, and he was officially unveiled today. So there was a lot. It was a big day. Yeah, I'm a little tired. I bet you are. There's just a ton of news (laughs) that came out and uh, all the details going through uh, all these decisions. And I guess the one that's kind of interested me the most here, Haley, is why were these the six cities that were deemed to, to be the ones to start off this league? Sure. It's a great question, Logo. And I think One thing that's interesting, obviously, when you see them with the exception of a Minnesota, these teams are kind of, you know, east. Uh, They're pretty geographically close. So I think that this was a consideration for that. You know, in the first year, you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overpromise. You don't want to stretch yourself too thin. I mean, Mark Walter, we've talked about this before on the show. I mean, he's, his valuation is like over $5 billion. I mean, he, he can spend the money and they're invested in doing this. Um, there's a CBA for eight years, you know, but I do think there was maybe a bit of a consideration of trying to keep things somewhat close for a team like Minnesota. Um, that is, you know, it's the state of hockey. Um, that is a state. I mean, it's going to be in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, that's just a market that they couldn't not go to. Um, when you think of 
sports fans in Minnesota. I mean, the Minnesota Lynx, um, you know, have great attendance numbers. There are great attendance numbers for college women's hockey. I mean, the Minnesota Wild fan base are like crazy in a good way. Um, that is just like a fan base that you can't not tap into. So Minnesota makes a lot of sense for just sports fans and hockey and women's hockey um, all together. Um, Boston is another one, you know, the Boston Pride and the PWHL or the, excuse me, BHF um, had a great fan base. That's an important market. That's a big player hub. A lot of players are, you know, from Boston or went to school in Boston. So that was an important market for them. Uh, Toronto, Montreal make a lot of sense in Canada. Those are major player hubs. Those are major you know, just markets. Toronto's a, a big city. A lot of players already live here. They've played here in Montreal. I mean, you want Mary Philippe Poulin playing for a Montreal uh, women's team, let's just be honest. <laughs> and I think Ottawa was a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a last-minute um, thing as far as I knew. Um, you know, for a long time, Ottawa was kind of a consideration, but I never considered Ottawa to be a lock to be one of the original six markets. Um, but I do think that was something that kind of came up in the last month or so of, you know, you just kind of look at it. There's a nice little road trip there, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. Um, there's a couple of really good venues. I think that would make Ottawa really attractive. I could imagine an Ottawa team playing out of the Ottawa 67s uh, rink. And I think that's a great building. It's a great neighborhood as well. I think the, um, that would be a really cool spot for, for these women to go and move to. I mean, I'm a bit, little biased because I spent some time in Ottawa and I loved it. So, um, I think when you're looking at these teams and the markets I selected, I think it was important for, um, NHL markets for one, all of these markets that they're going to be in have NHL teams. So you can kind of dip into the NHL fan base or the players that are there, um, you know, cross-marketing, cross-social media. We've seen a lot of NHL teams, a lot of OHL teams, AHL teams tweeting about this announcement today. Um, so I think that was important to be in markets where there's NHL teams. I think it's important to find markets that, as I said, with Ottawa, have the right venue sizes or the right facilities, the right infrastructure. Players can live there and be happy, healthy, safe, etc. So I think there's a lot that went into it. Um, but I think, like, venue options... And, you know, keeping everything kind of tight and obviously being in good hockey markets was really important. Haley Salvian's with us from The Athletic, breaking down all the details uh, today from the uh, press announcement from the Professional Women's Hockey League. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Peter Klein. PK? Um, Haley, I, I know it, it's kind of strange to go, hey, I know you announced 85 things yesterday, but what about what's next? Um, but <laughs> for, for this, asking from a, uh, a Calgary radio station here, do you know if there are plans to, to eventually venture westward uh, beyond the, these original six clubs? You would think so. Um, you know, again, I think they wanted to start on the smaller side with, with an original six and right. then start thinking of, of growth and expansion. And I mean, I don't see why Calgary wouldn't be on their radar in the future. I don't know, you know, how near or distant that future would be. I think it would depend how things go in the first year, the first the first two see, you know, what makes sense expansion wise and, and identifying those markets. But you would think that Calgary would be somewhere that they would look at. Um, again, I think venue would be, um, a, you know, a big question mark. Like, would they just play at the dome? Are there too many people playing at the dome already? Like, are we you have to wait for the new arena to get built for that? I think that's probably a consideration that you would have to think of with Calgary, unless you put 
um, a team at one of the smaller rinks outside the city. I, I don't know if Winsport would make sense because they'd need a full-time locker room. But again, I think Calgary makes sense because uh, it's a great city and it's a great hockey market. Again, I'm biased because I spent time there and I love the city and I love Calgary. And the Flames, too, have been really supportive of women's hockey over the last couple of years. They hosted an event that a lot of players liked. I mean, Rebecca Johnson... Um, is working with the team and obviously that's the major hub for team Canada. So there's a lot of reasons why Calgary would make sense. You're already going to have all the Canadian Olympians and Canadian national team players, you know, coming in and out of there all the time for training camps and centralization. So I feel like if you live in Calgary and you're wondering, are we going to get a team? I, I wouldn't see why not. I just don't know how long that would take. Um, any surprises for you from the, uh, all of the announcements that we, we've had over the, the last couple of days? Either anything that surprised you in the immediate or a, a direction that they've gone that kind of caught you off guard? I think Ottawa was a little surprising, and I'll share with you guys. I really thought that you know the, the move to go Ottawa, New York City was a little surprising to me because there was a lot that led me to believe that D.C. was going to get a team, um, hmm. and I think that was something that changed. Um, you know, Washington and Monumental, the, the group that kind of owns and owns the Caps and the Washington Mystics and the WNBA, they have been such huge supporters of women's hockey. They've hosted multiple events. The players loved Washington. I did a player poll um, during the season this year, anonymously asking players, like, where do you want your original six to be? And D.C. was one of those teams because players have just loved any collaboration with the Capitals. So that actually surprised me. I thought the Capitals uh, and, you know, having a team in Washington and having that collaboration made a ton of sense. Um, so again, Ottawa and New York were kind of pleasant surprises. You know, I'm not going to be mad that there's three Canadian teams uh, and three American having a more e- equal versus two and a four. Um, I was a little surprised that there weren't, um, like all the GMs haven't been finalized. That was something where I was just like, hmm, I feel like this is something that we should find out soon <laughs> because players are going to start signing on Friday. So if all the, and I do think that there are multiple GMs that are signed and, you know, in the drawer to be announced, but I don't think all six have been finalized. And if players are going to start signing on Friday, uh, that's weird. Like you can't have Toronto trying to lock in. Sarah Nurse, whereas, you know, Montreal doesn't have a general manager to try to sign Poulin. It just seems a little bit odd to me. And again, I don't know if those are the exact cities, exactly what teams have GMs and which don't, but that's just kind of the example of that was a little bit odd to me that they said that they were still finalizing GMs. Um, We won't know about venues yet. That should come in the next few weeks. But again, that's something where I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder where these teams are going to play. I would like to know that information. Um, And I guess the other pleasant surprise of the announcement was, you know, just hearing about the collaboration and all this support that the NHL has brought on. Um, I think that's really great to hear. I mean, the NHL has been supporters of women's hockey. They, They gave money in the past to the CWHL, the NWHL slash PHF. You know, they've always been there, but it seems like there's going to be NHL support in a way that we have not seen before uh, for women's hockey. And already we heard that there's going to be neutral site games this season. That's something that the NHL proposed without being collaboration with NHL city. So that's one of the things where we're talking about Calgary. Um, Sure. There isn't going to be a team out West, but there is a chance that there could be a neutral site game in Calgary or Edmonton, Vancouver, like somewhere out 
in Western Canada or, you know, let's say Pacific Northwest. Maybe they'll go to Seattle again or maybe they'll go to California. Um, the neutral site games is really exciting to me. And that that was a maybe not a surprise, but something I'm glad that they spoke about. Because when you have six teams, you're obviously cutting out a lot of really good hockey markets. And I think that's going to strike a really nice balance of establishing yourself in six cities while also making sure that women's hockey fans and hockey fans, um, you know, out West or in California, Pacific Northwest, wherever it may be, um, you know, more Midwest locations, Sunbelt aren't going to be left behind. So that was something that I was really happy to hear. And also that the PWHL is expecting to have a presence at NHL events this year. So um, all-star game, winter classic, things like that. I think that'll be really exciting. I was going to ask about uh, NHL involvement. Like you said, that they have been supporters, um, but they, they haven't necessarily got behind the league. And I know a lot of people have kind of looked at the NBA, WNBA relationship as a, a bit of a, a blueprint for what this could ultimately look like. Do you think we get there? And what do you think of the, the level of NHL involvement in this from the, the ground level here? Um, I think if we were going to get there, it would have needed to start there, right? Like, there would be need something, something weird would need to happen, or maybe in eight years we can revisit. Maybe Gary Bettman and the NHL say uh, to Mark Walter, like, you know, hey, we're going to take over, but I I don't know how badly things would need to go for it to get to that point, if that makes sense. So, um, I think it's, I think it's really interesting that we're not looking at that model because obviously that's the one that we've seen before. So that's what I find so interesting and kind of cool about the fact that Mark Walter, you know, the this billionaire owner of the Dodgers and he has ownership in Chelsea Football Club. Like this is this is a big money sports owner we're talking about, you know, decided to just open up the wall and say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this happen. So um, in terms of the NHL involvement, Stan Kasten, he's the president of the Dodgers. He's going to be on the board of the PWHL. He said today that, um, you know, right now the relationship with the NHL is, you know, kind of, it's not a business relationship per se. Like the NHL isn't, you know, they don't have like a sponsorship or any kind of like official business partnership at this time. They've talked about you know, their future business relationship, whether it's sponsorship or more official ways. But right now it's kind of, um, you know, anytime they've got questions, I can go to the league, they can talk to Gary Bettman or Bill Daly, whoever it may be, and say like, hey, we're having a problem with this. Or, hey, what do you think about this? For example, um, Stan said that the NHL is really helpful with these original six markets, which is probably why we saw six teams in NHL markets instead of a couple teams in, you know, London, Ontario, for example, that's someone that's a market that everybody thought was a lock for for a time when people were saying these are the three Canadian markets. It was Toronto, Montreal and London, Ontario. And I can bet you the NHL said, "Mm, let's maybe have an NHL market as that third one instead of London. So there's been kind of consultations and advice in that way. Um, Also connecting them with NHL teams and, you know, buildings. Um, My colleague, Mike Russo, Um, reported, and I have heard this as well, that the Minnesota women's team, when they're playing at home and not away or not at neutral site games, that they will play at the XL Energy Center. Things can change. Um, That's not final at this time, but there's going to be, you know, little partnerships here and there where it's like this team is going to play in this NHL building or this team's going to have, this team's going to go and play a neutral site game in partnership with the Arizona Coyotes or the Calgary Flames. So we're going to see 
a lot of crossover between the NHL and the PWHL and that kind of partnership and working relationship. Um, but to get to a space where, um, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs own and operate the women's Maple Leafs, uh, they're never going to call it that. I apologize. That was so bad. Um, But like to get to a point like that, you know, there would need to be changes in ownership and and things like that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this works with, you know, this kind of owner operator model, which is that Mark and Kimber Walter, who is his wife and she's a philanthropist. um, They own the league and they have their staff who operate and they've got team staff who, you know, do the team stuff. There's me jams and coaches and, uh, game day ops and, you know, hockey operation stuff um, versus, you know, the Calgary Flames owning the Calgary Inferno, things like that. So I don't know what it would take to get to that point. It would need to be a complete overhaul of, of what they have. Maybe we'll see. And I'm sorry, I'm rambling so bad. No, it's fine. Um, what I do think is maybe when we when it comes to expansion, what I do think we could see is like NHL teams coming to Mark Walter and saying, hey, I want to expand, I will own and operate this team. So I will now own this team. Like we might see pockets of it. I think we could get to a point once the league expands where we see a mix of both. But as of right now, that market is not, not that, not market, excuse me, the, that kind of model is not going to change, not at least for, for year one. Uh, you, you've done this job. You know that uh, I guess rambling is like the greatest thing. So uh, anything you yeah, say is smarter than what we can put have a sip of water, yeah. doodle, scroll <laughs> on Twitter, watch a couple TikToks. I, I actually, I actually made it home. Do you have a camera in the studio? Yeah. That's exactly what you're doing. I actually made it home. I'm broadcasting uh, for remotely now. Uh, I'm just in that making answer. Your yeah. Car. Yeah. I'm making a TikTok <laughs> as home. we speak. Right, yeah, exactly. And I watched him do that. He's out really, on the traffic, boys. Really it's all good. I'll uh, just keep talking. <laughs> I, I do have one more for you. Um... TV-wise, broadcast-wise, do we know if there is going to, to be a deal, whether, whether it be on uh, traditional television or, or any kind of streaming deal like that? That's not known at this time. Stan Kasten said that they're you know 100% going to have their games streamed some way, um, but they're obviously going to work at TV deals um, in the U.S. and Canada. I think a lot of that will depend on the venues and the schedule um, again, the venues are going to be released in the next uh, couple weeks. The schedule should be known um, sometime in October. Training camps start November. Season starts in January. So they've got a lot of time to figure that stuff out. But I think they need to hit, again, that schedule and venue uh, stuff before they can, you know, go to a you know, TV group and say, hey, we want a partnership. And they're going to be like, okay, well, when are your games? They don't know that yet. So uh, that's kind of when we talk about the future and, you know, the more short-term future, those are kind of going to be the next next steps is, is getting broadcast deals in place and, and streaming and, and stuff like that. Hills, you're the best, as always. Really appreciate you coming on. I know it's a super busy day for you going through all this, but I uh, appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, go get a nap in. Relax, check out our TikToks a little bit later on, and uh, we'll catch up with you in a bit, hey? Yeah, send me the good ones. We will, of course. I'll Bye, Haley. later. <laughs> see, Thanks, guys. See you later. Haley Gisalvian joining us uh, from The Athletic. You can check out her latest piece with all the details on the newly named yeah. Pro Women's Hockey League, its original six franchises, where they're going to be playing, uh, how the player selection process is going to work out, 
We literally could have done that for an hour with Haley and still not gone over all of the details of this thing. Uh, but as far as 25 minutes goes uh, to get you caught up on the most important things, uh, there's really only one person we would trust to do that, yeah. and that is uh, Haley. So thanks again, Haley, for doing that. Really appreciate her jumping on today, the, the details of that. Really looking forward to it. Um, and Haley's just the best for hopping on uh, on a busy day to help us out. Yeah, no, she is. Um, two things selfishly I want from this league. One, to come to Calgary. Yes. Um, permanently would be great, but even just the, the barnstorming thing or neutral site games that we were talking about, that'd be great. Two, I'm going to need it in the video game at some point. Uh, that's the, selfishly. Those are the, the two things that the rest of it, uh, do what you want. Uh, but those are the, the, the two ways that, uh, it, it would affect Peter Klein's life in a, a positive manner. So. Well, and that's what we're looking out for mostly. Right. Yes, exactly. Is, is how that can happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, and Hey, actually the video game one's an interesting one because I think now that they're actually getting settled with franchises and yeah. logos and all that sort of thing, I actually think it's, it's positive that they could make ground on that kind of front and actually, go to a group like EA and say, hey, how can we incorporate it? And then they say, hey, well, there's not six different leagues anymore. We've just got the one, and all of our players are here. And Yeah. Well, and a, a lot of them are already in the game from the, the national team stuff exactly. that they do. So, yeah, just shift them over. Change a couple of the logos, and uh, and boom, you're perfect. Uh, thank you to Haley Salvian for joining us on the program today. Thank you for listening live or on the podcast. Really appreciate it. As always, a shout-out to our outstanding producers, Azam and Taylor, in the other room. We're wrapping up. This afternoon, we'll, head you, uh, we'll hand you off to uh, Blue Jays pregame. Blair and Barker have you for the next hour ahead of the Jays and the Washington Nationals. 5.07 first pitch. This has been the Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know that Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. We will be back tomorrow, but we'll be later tomorrow, PK, because the Jays and the Nationals will have the midday slot. They have a 107 first pitch tomorrow afternoon, so we will hop on following yeah. the Jays and the Nationals. So the next time that we talk, we'll have two Blue Jays games uh, to break down. We'll also have the return on Wednesday of Ask Andy. Our pal Andy McNamara, our fantasy football guru, is back. He's answering your Ooh. fantasy football questions. We'll talk all things NFL with Andy following the Jays and the Nationals tomorrow. So, if there's segments that you're looking for to hop on live with so you can get your answers in and get your questions in uh, for Andy, that's definitely going to be the time. Check out our socials for uh, times and uh, when we're going to have Andy on. Uh, but we're just wrapping things up here, PK. Uh, Jays Nationals tonight be big for the Jays to pick up a win uh, tonight and make it two. Uh, straight against the Nats. Yeah, uh, we were joking before about, oh, go out there and be a professional regardless of the working environment. Um, it is sad how much my mood and thus productivity is going to be affected by the outcome of two baseball games that are played between now and the next time we are on the air. So uh, for the, the sake of um, not only the playoff race and all of this, A, I want like three waiver claims from the Blue Jays tomorrow. <laughs> and B, I, I, I'm going to need a couple of wins before we are back on the air. Uh, otherwise, the show, I, I'm going to be completely useless, more useless than normal. Thank God we have Andy. Either way. Uh, anyways, this has been the Sports Drive at 5. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash door. Like I said, two Blue Jays games before me and PK are back. We're back for a later edition of Sportsnet today. Tomorrow on Sportsnet 960, the fan.